Well, it's at the time of the year when we as a country celebrate our freedom. With the signing of the Declaration of Independence, we were free from British rule. And that meant we were no longer under their law system. For us as Christians, we should be celebrating our freedom. We are no longer under the law. As it states in Romans 10.4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And as we'll see in our passage this morning, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. We are freed from the law, and we are to be freed from the legalists that tell us that we have to look at our lifestyle, that we have to look to the law in order to see if we are truly saved or not. And then we're going to see if we're freed from the law, if we're freed from the legalists, does this mean that we can live our lives any way we want to? And he tells us in this passage that that is not the purpose of our freedom. We're not to use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but rather use our freedom to love and to serve one another. And so let's look at an outline of our passage that we're going to see this morning. In verses 1 through 6, we're going to see our freedom from the law. And Paul has been using an analogy at the end of chapter 4 to set this up with Sarah and Hagar. And then we're going to see the freedom that we have from the legalists. And we're going to see what Paul thinks about these legalistic Judaizers who were coming in and upsetting the churches at Galatia. And then finally, we're going to see what we're free to do, and that is to love and to serve. But before we get to our passage this morning, let's think about the flow. Paul is writing this letter to the churches at Galatia that he founded on his first missionary journey. And he is writing mainly to refute these Judaizers who had come in and told the church, in order to be saved, in order to know that you're saved, you need to be circumcised, you need to live by the law. And we'll even see that in our section this morning. Paul gets right to the point, though. He makes a little introduction, and then he, in chapter 1, verse 6, he says this. He says, I am amazed. I'm astonished. I cannot believe you guys as a church. I was just there with you. And on my missionary journey, I just came there. I set up the church. I established the church, and I gave you the gospel message. So I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him, God, who called you by the grace of Christ. You see, the message of Christ is a message of grace, of love, and mercy. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not as a result of works so that no one may boast. So you left him and his grace message For another gospel, which is really not another because it's not a good news message. The message of the Judaizers is to be circumcised. That's not a good news message. The message of the Judaizers is to put yourself under the law, become like the Jews, and live out the law in your lives in order to know that you're saved. And so he he is upset at this thing that they're doing. And so, you know, that's what these Judaizers were doing. And then it goes on in that verse, and he says, only there are some who are coming in, some humans, some men who are coming in, who are disturbing you, and they want to distort the message of Christ. And you know, that's what happens in the world oftentimes. Satan uses people to lead us down a path that is close to the truth, but it's slightly off. You know, many times you'll hear pastors say that all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ 
and you have eternal life. That it is by grace that you're saved through faith. It's that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, if you want to receive that gift, what I need you to do is commit your life to Christ. If you're willing to commit your life to Christ today, I just need you to walk down this aisle. If you're willing to commit your life to Christ, walk down this aisle, then next week you also got to be baptized. And then at that point in time, you'll know for sure you're saved. You see, that message is close to right. You gave me a beginning, but then you said, and. And you added something else, and you added something else. It's close to the truth, but it is off. And so we need, this is probably what the Judaizers were doing. They were saying, you know, Paul came in, and he gave you this gospel message that it's faith in Christ. And I do agree that it's faith in Christ, but, but. You also have to do A, B, C. You have to be circumcised. You have to live like the Jews. But Paul, he goes on and he says, you know that message that I brought to you? That message was from God. And that message, he tells them in the book of Galatians that he didn't receive his message from any man. He didn't go to the apostles to get his message. He got his message through a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. And so he tells them that if I change my message that I brought to you, if even an angel from heaven should come down and give you a different message, if anyone, these Judaizers, anyone else gives you a message different than I presented to you, then he's seen as accursed. And that means to be seen by God as an object of destruction. And they're seen by God as an object of destruction because they're not leading people from death to life, but leading them to death to death. Because, but they're on the path that they think gives them life. But that life, there is no life because there's only life found in the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul wants to make it clear. He says, remember this message that I gave to you. Let me make it crystal clear to you. I'm just going to use one verse right here, but it's found all throughout the book of Galatians. But look at this one verse. He says, nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified... That word justified means to be declared righteous. We're not declared righteous before God. How? We're not declared by the works of the law, but in contrast to the works of the law, how are we justified? By faith in Christ Jesus. You see, faith always has to have an object, and our object for faith for salvation is in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one who went to the cross of Calvary. He's the one who took our place. He died in our place. He is the one who bore in his body your sins, my sins, the sins of the entire world. He is the one who rose from the grave three days later so that whoever would simply believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So it's not by the works of the law but through faith in Christ Jesus. He goes on and says, even we, I myself, Paul, and you guys, the Galatian church, He says, even we have believed in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of law, since by the works of law, no flesh will be justified. So I think he makes it pretty clear there in that passage that it's not by our works. It's not our goodness, our righteousness that gets us to God, that that we're declared righteous before God. It's simply by faith in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, the law can never save. It only leads to sin and shows us we are sinners and need a savior. 
Listen to this. Paul also writes in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. He says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in God's sight. So not by the works of law, no works of law are we justified before God. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. You see, law shows us we're sinners and that we need a savior. So how are we to live the Christian life? So we see that we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So how are we to live the Christian life? Are we to put ourselves back under the law to live the Christian life? The answer to that question is no, and we'll see it this morning. So are we to be legalistic in our lives? Are, are we to look, at, look to others who tell us we have to live this legalistic life in order to know that we have eternal life? The answer to that question is no. We'll see that this morning. So if we're not under the law and, and we're not to live this legalistic life, then that means we can live our lives any way we want, right? The answer to that question is no. And we'll see that in our passage this morning. We're not to use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And we're seeing that in our world. We have freedoms in our country and people are trying to, to distort and to turn those, those freedoms into an opportunity for the flesh rather than using the freedoms that we have to serve other people and to love other people and to show them the love of Christ. So that takes us to our passage that we're going to see this morning. As I said earlier, at the end of chapter 4, Paul's been using this analogy with Hagar and Sarah. Hagar is the law. Sarah, the free woman, whose child was based on a promise. At the end of chapter um, 4, verse 31, he says, So then, brethren, so believers, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. We are not enslaved to the law, but we have been set free from it by Christ through his promise of eternal life to anyone who will simply believe in him for it. So now, let's live out this freedom that we have in our Christian life. Look with me at chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, and we see our freedom from the law. In verse 1, he said, It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. So simply put, Paul says, Christ has set you free, so stay free. Don't put yourself back under the law. Don't handcuff yourself. Some people are scared of freedom. They are scared to make decisions on their own, so they give up their freedoms. We're seeing that in our world today as well. But we are not to be like that. We're to walk by faith. It's by faith that we gain eternal life. It's by faith that we are to live out the Christian law or the Christian life. So let's get away from freedom. You don't need law to tell you how to live, what to do or not to do. And that's what he goes on to say later in the chapter that we're looking at this morning in verse 16. We'll talk about it more here in just a little bit. He says, walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. We don't need the law to tell us the do's and don'ts. We draw near to Christ. We live in the power of the Holy Spirit and we'll live in harmony with God. So stay free from any scheme that says that you must earn God's favor or God's blessing why? Because such systems rob us of the joy that God desires for us to have. 
He didn't come that we just may have life. He came that we may have it abundantly. And when we give into such systems, it takes away from the, any value that Christ has for us. Look at what he goes on to say in verse two. He says, behold, I, Paul say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. When we conform to the legalistic standard, then Christ is no benefit to us. You see, there's many people who say in order to be right with God, in order to know for sure that you have eternal life, in order to have his blessings, then you have to do good works. You know, you must be at church every time the doors are open. You got to give your tithe just like the law says. And you have to, and you have to, and you have to. But we must remember we're not under the law. And if we insist on keeping the law to find acceptance, then we better be ready to keep it exactly. And that's what he goes on to say in verse three. He says, and I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. The law is not given for us to pick and choose. For the Judaizers, they were insisting on circumcision. In order for the Gentiles to really be saved, then they must be circumcised. They must follow the law. But if we put ourselves under the law of circumcision in order to be saved, then we better be ready to keep all 600 plus commandments that are found in the law. And that's a lot to keep. So let me, let me say something. No amount of obedience can make up for one act of disobedience. You know, that was JB's thought before he stumbled into that Bible study and he heard the good news message. He thought and he believed that in order to get to heaven, to get to be with God, he had to do more good than bad. He said, you know, if, if I do more good than bad, then one day I'll get to be with God. Then he's in that Bible study and the guy that was speaking, he said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He's like, yep, I understand that. I know that. I agree with that. I've sinned. And then he went on to say, the wages of sin is death. He's like, death? I thought the wages of sin was to do good. You pay for your, for your badness with some goodness. And we got to have an abundance of goodness to pay for the bad. He's like, the wages of sin is death. I can't afford to pay that price. But then he went on to tell him some good news. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us us. Christ became our substitute. He took our death. He took death on in our place so that we could have life, eternal life. He's like, man, that is good news. So how do I get this eternal life? And the guy went on and said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die and to rise again, that whoever would simply believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Now that is the gospel. That is good news. And if you're here today and you don't know that good news message, you've never heard it, you've never understood it, right where you're sitting, right where you're watching at home, wherever you are, you can believe in Jesus Christ and he offers you as a gift, eternal life. It is that simple. And that's what Paul's been saying earlier in this letter so that they understand what it is that they already have so that whenever they're speaking to other people, they can give them the proper message and so that they'll know how to live out their Christian lives, not 
bound up by the law, but in freedom. Because if you don't live apart from the law, look at what happens in verse four. It says in verse four, you've been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law have fallen from grace. Wow. So I thought you just told me that if I believe in Jesus Christ, I have eternal life, an eternal relationship with him that lasts forever. But then Paul goes on and says, I've been severed from Christ. I've fallen from the grace system if I try to put myself back under law. And we don't lose our relationship. That's still there. At the moment we believe in Jesus Christ, we become sons of God. By faith in Jesus Christ, we become children of God. John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You see, we never lose our relationship, but we can be severed from Christ in our fellowship. Whenever we look to someone other than him for our Christian life, for our strength, for our power that we live in on a regular and everyday basis, then we're severed from Christ. We're separated from him in a fellowship aspect. And that's what Paul is telling them there. And whenever we do this, we lose the joy of our salvation. We lose the abundant life that God desires for us. We lose rewards. And worst of all, if we drift too far off, we lose our testimony and we change our message when talking to others. And we become like those people that he was talking about in chapter one. We're seen by God as accursed. We're seen as an object of destruction, again, because our message is not true and our message is not the gospel. And we're leading people from death to death rather than death to life. That's why Paul is writing this letter. He wants to make sure that we are crystal clear in our message whenever we're speaking to other people. That's why he writes with such strong words. That's why he writes with such clarity like we saw in chapter two, verse 16, three times, not by the works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Trying to keep the rules in our own strength never works to make us better and it drains us of our spiritual strength. But on the other hand, living by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit increases our spiritual strength and it gives us hope for future righteousness. That's what faith does. Look with me at verse five. He says, for we through the spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. Notice what it says there. We wait for righteousness. We don't work for it. You know, there's some people out there in the world that say you need to work for your righteousness. Yeah, you were justified at the moment you believed in Jesus Christ, but there's final justification that's coming later, and that's based on your works and your righteousness, and that'll determine whether or not you really get to go to heaven. But this verse doesn't tell us we work for our righteousness. We wait on it. We eagerly anticipate it because one day we're going to be like Christ whenever we see him face to face. That's what 1 John 3, 2 says. It says, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, the truth is, we probably will never be like Christ in this life, although that is our goal and that's what we're striving for. But even Paul, the man that we've been seeing in grow groups on Sunday mornings, he was a great man. He was a great disciple of Jesus Christ. He is someone who went on three missionary journeys. He wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. He continued to proclaim Christ no matter what the situation was. Whether he was in prison, whether he was going to be beaten, 
Whether he was going to be bound, it didn't matter to him. When he was chained to a guard, he proclaimed Christ. He said, at all costs, my life is for Christ and I'm going to proclaim him. And that's what he did. But you know what he said in his life? I haven't attained to that righteousness. But the one thing I do is forgetting what lies ahead and I'm pressing on, forgetting what is behind and pressing on to what's ahead. And that's what we need to be doing in our lives, forgetting what's behind, pressing on to what's ahead. There is a time coming when there will be no more sin, no more sorrow. And so what do we say? Come, Lord Jesus, come. There's another thing that faith gives us that we find in verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Faith always expresses itself in love, but the law is powerless. The law can't make us love. As a matter of fact, it often does the opposite. It makes us critical and judgmental. The law can make us hypocritical, but it cannot make us holy. So what have we seen so far? That we are to be freed from the law. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. So let's stay free from the law. But next we see what he thinks about these legalists, these Judaizers who came in. And he says, let's keep our freedom from the legalists as well. Look with me at verse seven. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You know, that's the way many Christians are. They're running well. They believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. I know that's the way my life was too. And I was, on, I was excited. I was on fire for Christ. But then the, the, somebody comes in and hinders you or the weights and the worries of the world come in and hinder you. For these, for these people in Galatia, these Judaizers had come in and they had hindered them. But it happens all the time in the world. You know, there's a story at the beginning of Zane Hodges' book, The Gospel Under Siege, and it's about this guy who had believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and he's on top of the world. He's excited. He's telling everybody that he is going to heaven whenever he dies because he had believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and so he knows it. And then he runs across this religious friend of his, and his religious friend says, well, you probably shouldn't say it quite that way. Because you don't know for sure if you're going to heaven. He says, what do you mean? The Bible says you believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And that's what I did. So what do you mean? Well, you know, you have to look at your lifestyle. You have to be good in order to know for sure that you're going to heaven. Because your lifestyle is going to change. It's going to, you're going to be like Christ. What did I say? We're never going to be like Christ in this life. Even Paul wasn't exactly like Christ in his life, but he was pressing on, looking forward to that time that he will be. And so he says, you mean I can't sin? You know, I, I, I can't be bad? Oh no, you know, everybody sins every once in a while. You just can't be too bad for too long. Well, how bad? For how long do I have to be in order to know that, that I'm not gonna be with him? And so all of his excitement turns to frustration. All the joy and the happiness that he had is taken away. He's hindered from the joy that God desires for him to have. He's hindered from sharing this good news message with other people because now he doubts and he worries about his own life and his own eternal destiny. 
And this goes contrary to what the Word of God says. God wants us to know that we have eternal life. You see, 1 John 5, 13 says, These things I have written to you, believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. What things has he written? Well, in the previous verses, he says, He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that's how we can know you have eternal life. It's not looking at your lifestyle. It's not living by the law. It's by believing in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how you know you have eternal life. So we need to stay away from the teachings of these type of people, whether they are Bible scholars, preachers, teachers, or everyday people, because it's contrary to the word of God. And he goes on and emphasizes that even more in verse eight. He says, this persuasion did not come from him who calls you. See, God didn't put this in your mind, man did. Remember back to chapter one, verse six, where I said that he is amazed that these Galatians are so quickly deserting him. Who's him? God, who called them by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some men who came in and who are disturbing you and who want to distort the gospel of Christ. If we go back to God's word and we read God's word and we take God's word for what it is, it is truth, then we will understand the message that God has for us. God's message is one of grace and love and mercy. It's not a message of legalism. It's a message of faith. You see, legalism leads to frustration while faith leads to freedom. I've heard many a person who strayed away from church and from God because people tell them that you have to live your life without sin. You have to live your life, you have to live a good life in order to know that you're going to heaven. If you're not living your life in that way, then you're probably not going to go. And for them, like it would be for me or, or many of you, if you look at your lifestyle in order to determine whether you're going to heaven or not, you're probably going to say, I'm not going. And so that's not good news. And so they say, you know, I can't do it, so why should I even try? So I'm going to go live my life any way I want to. I'm going to go live my life for myself because this is all I got because there's no way I can get to God. But that's not God's message. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for your sin so that all you have to do is believe in him and he offers you as a gift eternal life. That is God's good news message. And I thank God that he gave us his son. I thank God for that message. And that's the message we need to take out into this world. So let's be careful. Let's stay away from the legalists because look at what happens in verse nine. If a legalist is let in, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. It only takes a little work to make grace no longer grace. If I say that you are saved by grace through faith, it's that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. And then I say, in order to receive God's grace, all you have to do is come and put your tithe in the offering plate. All you have to do is walk down the aisle. Well, all you have to do is be baptized next week and then you'll be saved. Those are all things that you could boast about. Yeah, I walked down, I gave my tithe. I walked down the aisle and, uh, and 
you know, gave my life to Christ. So, well, I, I was baptized in front of everybody. And so look at what I did. So now I can boast in what it is that I did. It only takes a little legalism in the church to make the church turn from free grace. So we need to watch what is being taught. We need to be careful whenever we teach others to make sure that we're teaching them the truth, that we're teaching them directly from God's word, not from man's word. But Paul goes on and he says, I got confidence in you guys. Verse 10, he says, I have confidence in you in the Lord that you'll adopt no other view, but the one who's disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. He says, I have confidence in you after you read this letter of mine that you'll understand the truth and that the Judaizers and their false teaching and their false gospel will not take you over. You'll stick to the truth and the truth will set you free. But as for the one who is disturbing you, hopefully he'll bear his judgment. Hopefully he'll bear his judgment in this life so he can't reproduce, so he can't confuse other people. But definitely he'll reach his judgment one day. He gets more severe with that in verse 12, but first look at what he says about himself in verse 11. He says, but I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross had been abolished. You see, Paul used to, used to preach a message of circumcision. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he was a law-abiding citizen. And he thought in order to be saved, what do you have to do? You have to keep the law. He was a... He was a zealous Jewish person and he was even on his way on the Damascus road when Jesus came and he said, hey, you know, the message that you got is not right and I'm here to save you and I'm going to send you out and I've got something for you to do and you're to take a message to the Gentiles. In the book of Galatians, he talks about his message that he got. He didn't get it right there at that point in time to its full entirety. We think that on the backside of the desert where he went for about three years that he got the message of Jesus Christ. He got the direct revelation of Jesus Christ. His gospel that he proclaimed to those people in Galatia, he got directly from Jesus Christ. So he says that he's got confidence in them, that they'll stick with the truth and the truth will set them free. He gets, he is, Paul's message was a message of the cross, Christ's death and resurrection. He also stated in chapter two, verse 21, he says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. You know, if there was any other way for us to get to God other than, than God giving up his only son to die on the cross in our place, don't you think? He would have used that way. But there was no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. You see, Christ didn't die needlessly. Christ died for you and me so that we could have eternal life as a gift by faith alone in Christ alone. Christ died so that we could be freed from the law and from the legalist. But for those legalists, what did Paul really think about them? Look with me at verse 12. He says, I wish that those who were troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Paul didn't mince words. 
He says, those guys who are telling you to be circumcised, I wish they had cut the whole thing off. That way they couldn't reproduce. The message could not continue on. And if they want to be law-abiding citizens, according to Deuteronomy 23, 1, they'd be excluded from the community. And the truth is, there is no place for people who confuse the gospel by adding works of law to the clear gospel message of Jesus Christ. They either need to be led to the truth or they need to be removed. Because as he said back in verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So what have we seen so far? We've seen that we are to be freed from the law and that we understand our freedom that we have in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. So we don't have to put ourselves in the Christian life back under the law system. We need to be freed from the legalists. We need to know God's word. We need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us so that we can refute the legalists. We don't allow the legalists to come in and to tear us down with guilt and shame. We just put our faith in Jesus Christ, not only for eternal life, but also in the Christian life. So if we're freed from the law, we're freed from the legalists, then how are we to live our Christian lives? Look with me at verse 13. He says in verse 13, for you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What are we going to do with the freedom we've been given? Many people say that if you don't put people under the law, if you don't tell them how it is that they are to live their life, then you give them license to live any way they want. They'll live their lives full of sin. They won't give. They won't be at church. But what I say for those of you who are here today on this holiday weekend, when there's so many other things that you could be doing, so many other places that you could be, and I know that many of you who are in here know that you're saved by grace through faith that you don't have to be here today in order to stay saved, in order to be saved, in order to know you're saved, because you know that you're saved because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. But look at where you are. You are here today. And why are you here today? Because you understand the cost that was paid. And you want to come and you want to worship your Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to be with fellow Christians who want the same thing, who are walking on the same path as you. You want to be encouraged. You want to encourage other people. You want to serve in the body. And so that's why you're here. So although we had the option to be somewhere else, to do something else, we chose to be here and to worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. So you don't have to put people under the law in order to get them to do what they're supposed to do, what you want them to do. Your motivation to be here today is not keeping the law or being a legalist. Your motivation was love. And when we serve one another in love, then we fulfill the whole law. And that's what Paul goes on to say in verse 14. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When we are loving our neighbor as ourselves, then we are doing the opposite of what the flesh pulls us to do. And as Jesus said, what is the greatest commandment? They asked him. And he said, you love the Lord your God, you love others. On this, the whole law and the prophets are fulfilled. If you want to please God in the Christian life, if you want to fulfill the law, don't worry about all the things that you're supposed to do or not supposed to do. Just simply love God and love others. The law will take care of itself. It'll be fulfilled. 
And that's what he goes on to say in verse 16. He says again, I said it earlier, but I say walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. If you walk in harmony with God, if you're abiding with Christ, if you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your life, if you're living in fellowship with other believers as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, if we're walking in unity and and in line together with one another, then we're going to be doing what God wants us to do. We don't have to worry about all the do's and the don'ts. We just walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on in in this same chapter and he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Then he goes on in that same verse and says, against such things, there is no law. You know what that means? Law cannot produce the fruit of the spirit. Only walking in the power of the Holy Spirit can we produce the fruit of the spirit. And that's what we want to come out in our lives is the fruit of the Spirit. So we don't go to the law in order to live out the fruit of the Spirit. We go to Christ. We go to the Holy Spirit. We live in the power of the Holy Spirit. In this, he will be well pleased. In this, we will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So what have we seen this morning? We've seen that as believers, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. He doesn't want us to put ourselves back under the law. He doesn't want us to be influenced by the legalists who bring us down with guilt and shame. He simply wants us to love and to serve others, to use our freedom for his good and for his glory. So let's think about some applications. Number one is let's understand our freedom that we have in Christ. We're not under the law. We're not bound by everything that's in the law. So let's don't worry about the law and all the legalistic things that are in there, the do's and don'ts of life. Let's grow closer to Christ. Let's abide in Christ. Let's live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is a walk of faith based on the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. A walk of faith, just as we are saved by faith, we walk by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit based on the word of God. So we're not under the law. We are not to be influenced by legalists. Don't let others come into you, come to you and tell you that in order to know that you're saved, in order to know that you're going to heaven, that you have to look to your lifestyle because that's not what Jesus said. That's not what John said in 1 John 5, 13. Whoever believes in him can know they have eternal life. You and I, we have our security in Christ Jesus. We have our assurance because we know the security we have and we know the one that holds us. And then number two is let us use our freedom, not as an opportunity for the flesh, not to go and live life any way we want to. Let's use it to serve and love one another because we understand the price that was paid for our freedom, the price that Jesus Christ paid for us. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. So let's enjoy our freedom. Let's enjoy our life. Let's live our life abundantly. Let's live our life joyously as we walk here on this earth. Even though everything may not be good, we can live in joy and in freedom.